What's today? Mother's Day. Did you do anything special for mom? What'd you do? You gave her presents. Awesome. You signed a card. Did you give mom a big hug this morning? No. Did you tell her Happy Mother's Day? Yeah, what's a, it's a great morning, isn't it? Yeah. Anybody make breakfast and take it to mom in bed? Um, Why not? I was there. Oh, I see how it is. Well, can we say nice and loud to all the moms in here? Can we say happy Mother's Day? You think you can help me with that? Ready? Nice and loud. One, two, three. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> awesome, guys. Head downstairs for Children's Church. Well, good morning. Welcome to Living Way. Moms, happy Mother's Day. I hope you had a wonderful morning. I had the, the chance to, uh, to FaceTime with my mom this morning and wish her uh, a happy Mother's Day. And uh, my, uh, my children made sure that I remembered, even though I did remember that it was Mother's Day. So um, it's just a, it's one of those great days to celebrate. And uh, this morning, I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about a model for motherhood. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have no idea what it means to be a mom. Just don't. I'm not a mom. I'm a dad. I'll never be a mom. I'll always be a dad. Um, But uh, scripture gives us a bit of a picture and, and I want to look at that this morning. But I want to say this, you know how hard it is to uh, prepare a sermon to talk about moms? I mean, I could talk about my own mom and how great my own mom is, but that doesn't really do anything for all of us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrestle through this this morning, and, and I want you to bear with me. And, uh, and dads or uh, men, uh, please listen carefully, because although it's directed at moms, there's principles that we can take too. And uh, so it's not just for moms, and you guys can all put your headphones on and tune out and grab a nap. It's, it's for all of us. So uh, moms, every once in a while, make sure that dad's awake with a little nudge. And, uh, and we'll be, it's going to be a good morning. It's going to be fun. Mother's Day. Now, Hallmark has been uh, celebrating Mother's Day and making some very interesting cards. How many moms got an interesting or, or a really nice, lovely card from their, their children this morning? How many of you got homemade cards? Anybody got a homemade? Homemade cards are the best. In fact, I found this comic strip. Anybody uh, remember Kelvin and Hobbes? I found this comic strip about Mother's Day, and I thought it was wonderful. And I just, I just want to share it with you this morning. Kelvin is here, and, and, he's, and he starts this letter. He says, Dear Mom, how... Do I love you? Let me count the ways. One. Number one. Hmm. Number one. Hmm. Well, he must have figured something out because the next slide is he's running to his mother's bed as she's sleeping away and he runs in hey mom wake up i made you a mother's day card she rolls over and sits up and says why how sweet of you 
I did it all myself, he said. All by myself. Go ahead. Go ahead and read it. Mom looks intently at the card and begins to read. I was going to buy a card with hearts of pink and red. But rather than I thought, but then I thought I'd rather spend the money on me instead. It's awfully hard to buy things when one's allowance is so small. And there's a little window. So I guess you're pretty lucky I got you anything at all. Happy Mother's Day to you. There, I said it, now I'm done. So how about getting out of bed and cooking breakfast for your son? Mom looks at Calvin and says, I'm moved deeply. But you notice the part about my allowance, he said. Kids have a funny way of expressing their love, don't they? It's cute, but it isn't easy to be a mom. It isn't easy to be a mom. In fact, someone wrote this. Mother's Day is traditionally the day when children give something back to their mothers for all the spit they produce to wash their dirty faces, all the old gum they held in their hands, all the noses they wiped, and the bloody knees they made well with their kisses. This is the day mothers are rewarded for washing sheets in the middle of the night, driving kids to school when they miss the bus, and enduring those Football and soccer games in the rain. Or for our case, it could be the hockey games in the snow. <laughs> or the outdoors in minus 40. It is, the, it is a day of appreciation for making your child finish something they said they couldn't do. Not believing them when they said, I, I hate you! And sharing their good times. And they're bad. So what are mothers? What are moms? Well, let's talk about moms for a second. Moms, if I look at my mom and other moms I know, and the the mom, my wife, who's a mom to my children, mothers are teachers. Mothers are disciplinarians. Mothers are cleaning ladies. Some moms are gardeners. Or landscapers. Mothers are nurses and doctors and psychologists and counselors and chauffeurs and coaches. And the list goes on and on. Mothers develop, are developers of personality. Molders of vocabularies and shapers of attitudes. Mothers are soft voices saying, I love you. And mothers are a link to God. A child's first impressions of God's love. Now mothers are all of these things and much, much, much more. It isn't easy to be a mom. And today we get a chance to honor you as moms. And we think about our own moms and what they did in our life. But we get a chance to honor you this morning as moms. And what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to look at Scripture. 
And I want to look at this model for motherhood and what it looks like. And our best picture of parenting, our best picture of, of being a mom we can find is, is, is obviously is in the scripture because it gives us the most insight. And, and it gives us a little bit of, a, of a, a perspective, a little bit of principle. And if you have your Bible and your insert and you want to get ready, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And in fact, we're going to look at the life of Hannah. And now Hannah in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel isn't a mom yet. I say yet because God can do incredible things. And there's something that's going to happen. And there's a great picture of what it looks like to be a mom. And how we can take some principles to be godly moms. And we can honor our moms that are here. And our moms as we call them on the phone when we get home this afternoon. Or as we go to visit them. Whatever the picture is. We can honor our mom. So here's where we're going to go this morning. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about Hannah, who's a model for motherhood. Hannah is, is a, a character in, the, in 1 Samuel. And we're going to talk about her life in chapter 1. And it spills into chapter 2, but we're really going to focus on chapter 1 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 2, says, Elkanah had two wives. Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The the priests of the Lord at that time were were the two sons of Eli, Hophina and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice. He would give portions of meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept from her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. I'm picturing like high school drama here. Two grown women. One a mom. And here she is taunting and laughing and humiliating Hannah because she can't have kids. How rude. It's awful, isn't it? So she's reduced to tears, Scripture says. And it says in verse 8, Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? And every husband has said that to their wife. You have me. (sighs) You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? You see, this is the, the, the life that Hannah is finding herself in. Here she is, she's not a mother, 
Here we have Hannah. She's not a mother. And she's being taunted by this woman who's like very proud that she has children and that Hannah can't. And she's forced to face this day after day, year after year. Yet she wants to be a mom. Okay, well, Pastor, now you're talking about this woman who's supposed to be a model for motherhood and she doesn't even have any children. How does that work? Well, let's walk through this a little bit. In order to get us to the place where she becomes this mom, there's two things that that she, that Hannah experienced, I think that really help us to go, oh yeah, I've been there, I know that, I've been a part of that. She, Hannah, she experienced real pain. She experienced real pain. This first little bit of her life, we begin to see that she's experienced real pain. She couldn't have children. Now, we have to remember that this culture in which Hannah was living, that children were a significant picture of who you were or, or, or how you were uh, perceived by people. There were many that would have believed if you couldn't have children... That there was a sign that there was something wrong with you. Maybe you had this personal sin that you were battling with. Or you had a cursed life. Like this was not a good spot for her to sit in. She experienced real pain as people looked at her and probably thought, Oh, she's the barren one. She must have a problem. There must be something wrong with her. And to top that off, hearing other people talk about it around her, this other woman who's married to her husband is really starting to press the buttons. <laughs> you can't have kids. Look at mine. I mean, we've seen this in Scripture before, haven't we? Many times in Scripture, in fact, some of the main women in Scripture were barren and couldn't have children. And God did something incredible in their life. God provided a child. Yet there's real pain. She's experiencing real pain. She can't have children. There are people saying, you're incomplete because you can't have children. She's experiencing this pain day in and day out. Now, some of you, moms, have experienced pain. Maybe you've experienced loss. Maybe... You were all excited because you were about to be a mom. And at some point during the pregnancy, you lost a child. Experienced real pain. She experienced real pain. She struggled with this day in and day out. But what is incredible about Hannah is not only did she experience real pain, is that she showed real faith. In the journey, she'd be brought to tears, but she still was confident that God was who He said He was. And we begin to see this unfold in verses 9 through to the end of chapter 1, where she believed that God could do. And she broken before the Lord as she cries out asking, God, if it's possible, could you just let me have a child? You see, she's a picture of motherhood because she experienced real pain even before she had children. She experienced real pain, but she showed real faith in the midst of it to know that even though everyone's thinking there's something wrong with her, she knew that God was still able to provide. She knew that God was still in control. 
And then as we roll out of these first eight verses into verse nine in chapter one, we begin to get these characteristics of a godly mom because now we start to see God step in and things change. And these are characteristics of a godly mom. And many of you see these in your own moms. Many of you as moms exhibit these characteristics to your children. And this morning, all I want to do is encourage you. This morning, all I want to do is to maybe challenge you and challenge all of us to become, for moms, godly mom, for the rest of us, to become godly men, dads. We'll talk about that in Father's Day, but specifically about moms this morning. Characteristics of godly mom, we begin to see this in Hannah's life. And here's, here's, here's what I want to, here's the three I want to suggest to you. The first one is this. That a godly mom believes in the power of prayer. A godly mom believes in the power of prayer. This has been a, uh, an incredible uh, thing that God's been stirring in my heart lately. And I think this is probably week three. This might be week three or three of four. Where this idea and this point of the power or the persistence or the significance of prayer has surfaced. And I th- maybe I'm sidetracking here, but God's maybe stirring something in us as a church. God's maybe stirring something in our hearts of the power of prayer and calling us as a church to prayer. Side note, a godly mom believes in the power of prayer. Look at, look at Hannah's story. Once, once it says in verse 9, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh. So she'd gone and done the run with her husband and with the other woman and, the, and, and she's belittled her and picked on her and she's, you know, she's upset. And she leaves upset. And once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli, who was the priest, was sitting at the tabernacle, just kind of lounging out, and Hannah comes to pray. And this is what is amazing what happens next. Hannah, as she comes to pray, was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. She came and she's in deep anguish. She's hurting and broken and her heart is heavy. And she begins to cry bitter tears as she calls out to God. She understands and believes in the power of prayer that she's so broken that she cries out to God. She's crying out to the Lord and her heart is pouring open and it says and she made this vow as she's praying to god as she's calling out to him as she's opening her life and her heart she says O lord of heaven's armies if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer she believed that god was able she believed that god was able to answer her prayer if you look upon my sorrow my sorrow my heart that's broken the humiliation that i'm facing the fact that i can't have kids and you answer my prayer give me a son give me a son but she doesn't stop there which is this is what is so awesome about her prayer she's she's broken and she's crying out god if if you hear my cry if you see my sorrow answer my prayer and she says then i will give him back to you 
If you answer my prayer, if you hear my cry, if you see my sorrow, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. As a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Wow. Here's Hannah. She's not a mom yet. And she's broken before the Lord. But she understands the power of prayer. Now, I'm going to believe that that this didn't just happen once for Hannah. That her life of prayer was only this one time. Because as we read through, we begin to see the authenticity and and who she is, the living to her word. But she prayed and believed in the power of prayer. Hannah realized that the only person, the only one who could help her was God. That the only person who could help her in her situation was God. In that day, there were many men and women who would just pray and go through the motions. But Hannah got on her knees and opened her heart before God. She believed in the power of prayer and godly moms believe in the power of prayer. Hannah poured it all out before God, laid it all out and just wept before the Lord. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she cried, and she opened herself up. And what's interesting, what's interesting is that her prayer was so intense. She wasn't speaking out loud. She was moving her lips that Eli, the priest who's sitting there, looks over and actually accuses her of being drunk. She's just praying that God would move. She's seeing a hopeless and a helpless situation and she just prays. God, I can't have kids. If you see my sorrow, if you hear my cry, if you answer my prayer, give me a son. Hannah's situation seemed hopeless and helpless. But she came to prayer. She believed in the power of prayer. Now this principle obviously isn't just for moms. It's for all of us. But she believed in the power of prayer. We must not forget how significant and how powerful prayer is. And when our situations seem hopeless or helpless, we need to go to the Lord in prayer and we need to be willing to just call out to Him, be honest with Him and open our hearts before Him. In fact, moms, many of you have spent hours praying over your children. Godly moms believe in the power of prayer. And you spent hours and I uh, holding your child and praying that God would, would sustain them. Maybe they were sick and you've been praying over them. Many of you have poured hours and hours. Don't stop praying. No matter how old your children are. If your children are just young, like baby Echo. She's in the mom and tot's room. If you're children are like mine, eight and six, if your children are teenagers, if your children are adults, don't stop praying over them. Because 
There may be moments that seem helpless or hopeless, but God can intervene. There may be moments like Hannah's, and we just need to call out to God, believing that He's able to do only what He can do. See, godly moms believe in the power of prayer. Now, again, like I said, I believe that Hannah prayed over her child regularly, even after her child was gone. I believe she prayed because she made a vow to God. If you give me this child, he will be yours for his lifetime. I'll give him back to you. She prayed over and over. Godly moms believe in the power of prayer. The second characteristic I'd like to suggest this morning are that Godly moms act are actively actively teaches their children about God. That you actively are teaching your children about God. You see in verses 21 and 22 as we roll down after Hannah has uh, conceived a child and she's going God has provided opened her womb that she could give birth to a son Samuel that that we see this picture beginning to unfold and the next year Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer sacrifices to the Lord to keep his, and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle, and this line is powerful, and leave him there with the Lord. Now, our culture would wean a child... Uh, off of breast milk earlier than their culture did. This would be somewhere between the ages of two to four, maybe la- like in the latter stages, in the three, in the four era. Imagine that, moms. Sorry. Here's Hannah, and she says to her husband, it's, it's a year later, and they're going to go up, and she says, no, we've got to wait till the child's weaned. And once that happens, I'm going to give him back. I'm going to fulfill the promise, the vow that I made. See, here's what I believe. I believe that in that moment and in that time that Hannah was nurturing and caring and providing love and life. And I believe that she was sharing the story of what God did for her and how this son was a miracle birth. How this child, who was not supposed to be born if everyone looked because she was barren, yet God opened her womb and she began to teach God. She began to teach about God to this boy. And she said, I made a vow. I'm convinced of it. I mean, how many times has your mom told you something? You know, when you were, when, when I was pregnant with you, I, I kept praying that you, would, that you would be born healthy. And you keep telling your child that. Maybe, maybe you had a miraculous birth where you weren't able to have children and you had, uh, a, you were able, then able to have a child and you said, you, you are like a miracle child. God was, you teach your children. In fact, uh, George Washington said, I am what I am because of my mother. Many of us probably can say the same thing. Moms, actively teach your children about God. You have an opportunity. As I read at the start, you're like the first impression that children have of God's love. When they see you and they smile and their eyes light up, you get to love on them and show them God's love unconditionally. Even at three o'clock in the morning, 
even when you're changing sheets because of accidents, even when you're snuggling them after they've fallen, scraped their knee because they're learning to ride their bike, or even after you're holding them when they face loss and sorrow. You are an example, even without saying words. You actively teach your children. Actually, I love this. There's a pastor, and he had four sons, and they all became ministers of the gospel. And they were at a family reunion, and a friend asked one of them this question, which, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? And the son quickly replied, my mother. The only one that's not in ministry, yet she's living an example and leading her children to know who God is and to invest in them. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Moms, godly moms, are actively teaching their children about God. Godly moms believe in the power of prayer. Godly moms are actively teaching their children about God. And the third one I'd like to suggest to you is this, that godly moms and this is the hardest one, have the ability to let go. And it's hard. I can't even imagine this conversation. And my kids are not at a, a point yet. But I've talked to moms and dads who have had to let their children go. You know, they get to that 18, 19, and they start moving out. And say, I don't want you to leave home, but... Imagine if it was when they were four. Listen to Hannah's story. Hannah, after the child is weaned, goes back to the tabernacle. And in verses 26 through 28 says, Sir, talking to Eli, do you remember me? Do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy. And he granted my request. Now, I kind of wonder if Eli was going, is that the woman I thought I said was drunk? This boy here, she's standing there all proud and happy. I prayed and this is the child, this is the son that God gave me. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he granted my request. And then she says, now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. Remember what she said earlier. She said, just wait till the boy's weaned and then we'll go and leave him. We'll leave him there with the Lord. She was willing to let go. Now she's at the point where she's going to fulfill the vow that she made to God and she took the boy and she left him at the tabernacle, and it says, and they worshipped the Lord there. Now, they means multiple. I'm believing that it wasn't just Hannah and Eli that worshipped, but it was Hannah and Eli and Samuel. And they worshipped the Lord there because mom had been actively teaching Samuel about God. And mom believed in the power of prayer that she was willing to let go. She was willing to let go. 
to watch her son flourish and turn into the man that God had called him to be. See, our culture, we're lucky because we get a little, a few more years than just four. We get 18, 25, maybe 35. But we still have to learn to let go. Hannah kept her word. She vowed that if God gave her a son, she would give him completely to the work of God. And as hard as it was, she was willing to let him go. But for us, we need to, for moms and dads too, this isn't just moms because dads struggle with it too, we need to let go. And when the time is right, we need to let go and let them fly. But it's cool what happens. I've seen this in my relationship with my parents. And I've talked to other people who've seen this relationship. It's just kind of this strange phenomenon Something shifts and something happens. You know, it's like for 18 years, for me, it was a little more than 18. It was closer to 23. Uh, For 23 years, there was this parent-child relationship. But then as we mature, the child matures. It turns into this relationship that includes friendship. And what is awesome is what happens after that is that all of a sudden you've let them go because they're either A, moving off to school, or B, maybe they're getting married. And then they call you on the phone and say, Mom, you're going to be a grandma. And then when the child's born, they say, Help! And what happens is you still get to be mom. But then you get to be grandma. The model, the model of motherhood, the godly, a godly mom believes in the power of prayer, believes so much so in the power of prayer that they're on their knees crying out to God for their children, no matter what age they are. A godly mom actively teaches her child about God. That could be at any age. And a godly mom has the ability to let go and watch God do an incredible work in the child that they've invested and prayed into and taught and watch them fly. Moms, you have an incredible opportunity. Moms, you have an incredible opportunity to invest in children your children. No matter how old they are, sometimes they'll say, yeah, mom, I know. I get that with a six-year-old. How's that possible? Six? That's supposed to be 14, 15. But you get an opportunity. Godly moms believe in the power of prayer. Godly moms actively teach their children about God. Godly moms have the ability to let go. Many of you can probably think of your own mom and see her in many of these situations. Many of you can look at your own life. See how you're doing these things with your children. This morning, moms, we have a chance to honor you, to love on you, 
Here's what I want to do. Pastor Andrew, could you uh, run and find some of our, our friends? Moms, if you're here, new mom, old mom, somewhere in between, would you guys come to the front? No, no, no. Come on, don't be, yeah, move, 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 moms. I know there's a few of you in here. Your children are downstairs. Come on up here. Nobody wanted to be the first one. Here's our chance to honor our moms. Why don't you guys slide all the way over? Fill the front. Moms are... Each one of you moms... Each one of you moms are an incredible gift to the church. Each one of you moms have a chance to invest Sorry, Mabel. Each one of you moms have the chance to invest in your children. And guess who I brought up here? My friends. Where are you, friends? And these guys are going to help me with something. You guys ready to help me with something? Good. See, we want to honor you. We want to honor you as moms this morning. We want to honor you for the investment that you've made in your children that may be this small or your children that may be tall and older. And we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for pouring into their life, for loving them and caring for them, for nurturing them. And that you as moms are a gift to us as the church We love you. We honor you this morning. And we have a simple, nice little flower that my friends here are going to give to each one of you. Maybe you guys can give them a big hug and say, Happy Mother's Day. You think you can help me with that? Okay, so the flowers are just over here. And if you guys want to help me and you guys can hand them out. And as they're handing them out, we're just going to take a minute. See, they always find mom... As they're handing them out, friends, can we just honor all of our moms this morning? Thank you, moms. Make sure all those moms get a flower. I think there might be another mom in the mom and tots room, right? One or two back there? Two? Right here.
Now, friends, can you help me with one more thing? Can you find can you find a mom? And if it's your mom or another mom, and can you just go and stand behind them on the stairs and just put your hand on their shoulder? And we're just going to pray for all of our moms this morning. Is that okay? Can we pray this morning for our moms? Heavenly Father, we come to you. And Lord, I thank you for every mom that is here. Lord, I thank you that, that, that we have an opportunity to honor our moms in this place. To honor these, these women who have invested time and years into training and instructing and caring and loving children. God, I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for the moms that are here with young children. And Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom as they instruct, as they teach their children in these days. And Lord, I thank you for moms that are here who have older children that maybe have moved out of the house Lord, I thank you that you've given them years to invest in them. And Father, I pray that you would hold, that you would continue to hold them close. God, that they would be surrounded by your presence. And Lord, as they've let go, God, that you would bless these moms for the years that they've poured into their children. So Father, we thank you for each one of these moms. We pray a special blessing on them on this day. God, would you just pour out your love on them and surround them, we pray. And Lord, for the rest of us, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you give us a chance to gather in this place, to hear your word. And God, I pray that we would be stirred. Even even us who aren't moms would be stirred by Hannah's story. God, that we'd be driven to our knees to pray. And God, that we would be willing to teach our children about who you are. And that you give us strength when the time comes to let them go. So Father, we pray that you would continue to lead us. We thank you for our time together. We pray blessing on everyone in this place. God, would you fill us all with your spirit. Lord, would you continue to lead us to become close, to draw us closer and closer to you. So, Father, we thank you. God, we pray for the food that we're going to eat. We pray that you bless it to our bodies, that you would bless those who have prepared it. And God, again, we lift up our moms. God, give them a special, a special blessing this day, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Moms, we love you and we honor you. May God bless you richly on this Mother's Day. And I'm going to get my hugs from all of you.